Krishna and welcome to Sankirtan On. My name is Katamrita and I'm your host for Australasia. Today I have the wonderful blessing to interview a wonderful devotee from um, India who's now residing in New Zealand. Her name is Madhava Mohini. She's been practicing Krishna consciousness for about 10 years and has been living in the ashram in New Zealand for about eight. Um, she's from Chandigarh in Punjab state in India and uh, yeah, I got the pleasure of living with her for some time when I was living in Wellington, and uh, you're all in for a real treat. So, welcome, Madhava Mohini. Thank you for having me. Thank you for agreeing. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, just to start, um, for our listeners, would you please let us know a little bit about what it's like to live in the ashram in Wellington and um, how you feel your life has changed since you started living with devotees? Yes. Um, it's amazing to live in the ashram, especially in Nandini Ashram here in Wellington. It's the best thing that's ever happened to me. Um, I met Actually, I met Krishna Loka when I was in Melbourne. I was just living in the Melbourne Ashram for three months. And I went to have darshan with His Holiness David Maharaj and I was saying to him, oh, I'd like to be living somewhere where there's some lots of sangha, lots of ladies um, that are really serious into book distribution and reading Shubhapa's books. <laughs> so, of course, Maharaj suggested Wellington and I was like, New Zealand! I was in my mind, I was thinking he'll send me somewhere in Europe. <laughs> yeah. New Zealand is definitely Maybe LA or something. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So um, when he said, um, yeah, Wellington, I was kind of like, oh, no. <laughs> and then it just happened that Krishnaloka was in Melbourne that weekend. And he said, Krishnaloka said you should talk to her. And I was like, who is Krishnaloka? I think I'd heard a little bit about her, actually, from um, our friend. Um, her name used to be Paya, but now it's Radhananda. <laughs> so she told me a little bit about her because she lived she joined in Wellington. So I said, okay, I have to go seek, find Krishna Loka. So I did, and then we had a chat. And then, yeah, the rest is history. I came here. I actually came here just to check it out for three months. I said, I'll come for three months. But Krishna Loka said, no, three months is too short. Come for at least six. So I said, okay, I'll take a break from my work and come to New Zealand for six months. And I've been here for eight. <laughs> <laughs> and wow. it's like my home I definitely feel like I'm very well situated in Nash I'm very happy I love the Sangha the camaraderie here amazing opportunity to, opportunities to do sacrifice and guidance like the amazing guidance culture mentoring that's available here in our community so many Brahmanas and yeah amazing friendships because we have so many ladies in Nashram. so yeah I'm really, really blessed to be part of the amazing Ashram yeah, and you're doing a lot to help lead that ashram. Could you just please explain um, a little bit about what you do in Wellington to support the other devotees because you've been there for eight years now, so you've taken on a lot more responsibility than when you first joined <laughs> back yes. eight years ago. And you've went on quite a journey in the last eight years and um, yeah. really blossomed in Wellington. So maybe you could just you know highlight or share a few things that you know, you've been doing over the course of the last eight years, um, some, you know, highlights in the, in the journey. <laughs> yes. 
Um, yeah, it's been, it's just flown actually. The time has flown so fast. But yeah, like you said, I've learned so much and grown so much from taking on responsibility. So first thing, uh, first responsibility I was given was um, I did some catering and then it was Cuba Duper actually. <laughs> and we did really well. And then the very next day, early in the morning, when I was resting because we were catering, we were doing the catering till two o'clock in the morning. <laughs> I remember getting this like phone call and messages from Kadirwan saying, um, Maharaj is trying to get hold of you and not answering your phone. And I was Maharaj. And I was like, Oh my God. So I quickly got out, got out of bed because, you know, we'd just gone to bed at two o'clock or three o'clock in the morning. So I think it was probably like seven or seven o'clock in the morning or six o'clock. So I quickly rang Maharaj and. Yeah, Maharaj was basically saying he wants me to manage Bhakti Lounge. And I was like, what? <laughs> it was very shocking. It was like, I'd just been in the ashram maybe less than six months. Oh my gosh. So I was like, whoa, that's huge responsibility. <laughs> I, I obviously said yes, but I wasn't keen to manage. I remember just wanting to <laughs> distribute books. I'm like, oh, I want to distribute books and learn how to distribute books. But Maharaj wants me to manage. But yeah, so I learned how to manage from Kadirwan and um, yeah, she was an amazing teacher. So I've been managing a Bhakti Lounge on and off, then we had um, in between there was a time when Radhika Baba was managing and then I have taken other responsibility, other projects like Krishna Food and opening up a cafe at Kelvin, which was um, definitely University quite... University of Victoria. Yes, yeah. yes the and that was um, definitely a, a huge yagya for me, a big, um, big mission, big project. But when it came came to me as a project, I was very excited. It took us like a year and a half to negotiate the deal with the university. But in the end, it was just amazing how the university, it was this all Krishna's arrangement, how university um, paid for all the painting and the flooring. and Yeah, they completely uh, renovated the whole thing. Yeah, they, they actually paid for quite a bit of it, which is just incredible. It's just unheard of. And then we obviously, devotees put in a lot of effort, like Krishna Basad and a few other devotees helped in as well to um, make a kitchen there, build a kitchen. Yeah, Madhava Mohini is mentioning Krishna Prasad and uh, his wife Radha Prasad, who are this power couple in um, New Zealand. They actually do a ton of renovations in all of our studios that we have in New Zealand. Um, for some of the listeners, they might not know, but um, in New Zealand, we've got the Bhakti Lounge, which um, Madhava Mohini she was uh, managing for quite some time, and then in Auckland, New Zealand, You're managing again now. You're managing now. <laughs> I didn't know. Um, so yeah, she's been managing um, Bhakti Lounge in Wellington. And there's another um, studio uh, called The Loft. And these are outreach centers, which um, maybe you can explain a little bit about them, Monova, like how they're sort of unique in the Krishna conscious scene. Yes. Yeah, so this is um, a- another amazing opportunity I've had to be part of this uh, these outreach centers. They're quite unique in the sense that they're like a Western hub of outreach. Um, and there's like all these barriers, I guess, cultural barriers that have been taken away. So we have um, an area where there's uh, people serve out, devotees serve out meal. It looks like, like a restaurant. So there's seating, like tables and chairs, and lighting is quite like, nice and funky in the furniture. 
and just the whole look of the place is really modern. There's books, there's everything there, like robust philosophy, devotees like we have Bhagavad Gita workshops and workshops on other topics. We have um, the Sunday feast, we call it the soul feast on Sunday, that's more of open night. Um, so yeah, the whole program is there, but it's just packaged in a way that it's more appealing to a Western audience. So all the cultural, the lingo barriers are taken away, so we don't say words like Mataji, Prabhu, things like that. I mean, we don't have any deities and devotees dressed in, dress in Western outreach, Western clothes as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, so that a Western audience can feel more comfortable and just feel like it's their space where they feel comfortable to hang out. Yeah, I've, I, that's how I came to Krishna Consciousness was at one of these um, sort of Western outreach centers in Toronto. At that time, it was called Urban Edge Yoga. Oh, cool. Yeah, um, but they they really do help to just deliver the essence of Krishna Consciousness without, you know, the intimidating factor of coming into a temple or a completely different culture. Um, yes. So they are really effective. And... Um, What's really interesting about um, the outreach centers is how um, a lot of young men and women serve together at them while practicing all the regulative principles properly and um, Mm. maintaining that respect for one another's practice. Um, And in Wellington, the Bhakti Lounge has sort of exclusively been managed by some wonderful women over the course of the last 20 or 30 years. and. yeah, I guess just for some of um, the audience that might be interested in knowing more about the ashram and how, you know, it's been sort of supporting the Bhakti Lounge and the outreach, um, maybe you could explain a little bit more about the scene there because it is quite unique in Krishna consciousness to have so many young women, you know, mm-hmm. practicing full devotional service, doing full-time devotional service, distributing the books and how, how that all interrelates and complements one another with the outreach there. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's really amazing how we have actually the biggest ladies ashram and um, we've definitely got and produced so many powerful ladies here. Um, somehow the material energy works in this way that we attract all the powerful ladies. Um, yeah, ladies, it's just a bit of a legacy that ladies have managed for, for I don't know how many number of years, but I've, as far as um, Gurupani, Vishnumaya, Gauraiti, Kadeewan, I remember these stalwarts. Parambhava. Parambhava, of course, yes, she was there. Yeah, she was right at the beginning, right? I think she was the one that got the lease for our current place, Bhakti Lounge, and we've been there for so long. And it's such a good location and it's amazing, like the rent's not even... Like for what market value rent is at the moment, we pay, I think, quite reasonable rent. So yeah, we're really lucky. We're just like really reaping the benefits of all the hard work of these devotees. Um, but yeah, it's like Andre Mira Maharaj's like amazing uh, mercy that he's like he's an equal employment opportunity. <laughs> equal service. Equal service. Yeah, he calls himself. So. Um, yeah, it doesn't matter who you are. You get full opportunity if you want to just plug in fully into Lord Chaitanya Sankhya movement. And there's no um, shortage of service. Like we just have literally, Krishnagar calls it service on tap. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's true. There's no uh, no short supply. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Whoever yeah. wants to engage in service. Yeah, and you can see how... Um, 
I mean, when I was there and I experienced um, the culture, it's on fire in terms of the service and dedication to service and the desire to serve. It's amazing how um, it, how contagious it is in that environment, and um, how the relationships deepen through that culture yeah. of service to one another and service to Guru and Garanga. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you think the Ladies Ashram developed such a taste for, you know, first of all service in general, but specifically the service of distributing books? Like I said before, I think it's a legacy. We're just following the footsteps of these amazing devotees like Krishnaloka Kadevan, Dina Deala, Sukanti Radha, Gokulila Daimai. They've been distributing books for so many years and it's just, you just follow in their footsteps, you know, like we're just part of, it's part of our um, program here that we distribute books. That's one of the main ways we actually bring people to um, Bhakti Lounge, to Krishna Consciousness is by meeting people on the streets, like distributing books, flyers, inviting people. And then, of course, through the cultivation, through the Outreach Center, Bhakti Lounge, mm-hmm. and follow-ups. And yeah, we've got an amazing team of devotees that are always there in the evenings. Like we make it a point to sit with guests for dinner and um, invite them to like retreats. We do at Otaki as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's um, it's just something that you just get carried away in the flood when everyone's doing it. So you just learn. It's just part of the culture. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's quite an amazing experience when you see somebody who got a book, um, maybe from somebody on the street and they come, they maybe go to a class and, you know, do some yoga classes, start volunteering in the kitchen. And then the next thing you know, they're on the street and they're trying to give these books to other people. Mm -hmm. Uh, And it happens within a month or two months. And it's just because, you know, it's almost like a part of our friendship with one another is like, if you want to spend time with me, do you want to go distribute some books? Because that's what I'm doing. Like, that's what I do for fun. Yes. <laughs> and yeah, exactly. It's quite an amazing thing um, how spontaneous the book distribution is in Wellington in that way. Because, you know, obviously, you know, there might be a roster for book distribution, but it seems like the devotees have such a taste that there's no requirement for them to be on a roster to be going out and distributing books. It's, you can see that there's such a wonderful taste. Yes. In yeah. I remember, um, there was a couple of times during marathons and, um, I know you often go away on marathons, but there, I think there was at least once or twice where you were, you know, coming in and out of Wellington, you know, on the fly. And you had this buzz about you just like kind of sweeping through. And I was like, just take me, you know, like, let's just go, like, let's do this right now. <laughs> and we would just kind of run through the streets, like maniacs, you know, just being like, we've got what you need. And, um, yeah, it's, I think it's almost a phenomenon in a sense, like, unless you've seen something like that, you wouldn't understand how it how it can happen so spontaneously for people to feel so happy doing something that seems so hard to a lot of people. Yes. Yeah. And what also is kind of... Sorry, what were you saying? I was just going to say, like, what's interesting is it seems like because when they, when a devotee has that sort of taste for distributing books, that the hard things about it become like funny or they seem like a part of the joy. (laughs) That's so true. Yeah. 
Yeah, even when devotees come back from the street and share nectar stories, you know, it's like such an amazing time, like over prasadam. Yeah. Like the best thing to do. And yeah. I've heard so many say, It's like a company culture. Um, you just get swept away in it. <laughs> I remember on one time we were doing nectar stories in um, Wellington and I think it was Ram Das Prabhu and he was saying, he was just telling a story and he was talking about how he almost got bit by a dog and everyone was just hysterically laughing and he was laughing. And for, I feel like if you were just, you know, a normal person, you know, just happened to be in that room, you just wouldn't understand what was so blissfully <laughs> hilarious with the whole thing. You'd be like, why, why do you keep doing this to yourself? Like, do you have mental health disorder? <laughs> like, are you like, you know, sadistic? Do you want to harm yourself? <laughs> it just doesn't make sense. It's like, why are you putting yourself through this? Yes, yeah. but for a devotee, it's like from a completely different lens and consciousness, and there's a bliss in the sacrifice. That you're yeah, doing. absolutely. Yeah, the, the, the devotees are just happy to have the opportunity to actually to go out. I remember after like when I go out on the marathons after not being able to go out during the year, um, just because of the responsibilities. The first or second down the marathon just feels so invigorating because it's like even though you might be getting rejected left, right, and center, but it's just that so amazing to have the opportunity to have, be able to do the service. Yeah, I think that there's an. It's amazing that in Wellington, so many devotees can be committed to actually being out on the streets full time in marathon mode, and that there's like a whole support system to help them to live a life where they can be doing that. Because if you're out on the streets, just distributing books all day long, then somebody's cooking for you. Somebody's like all these, you know, somebody's making sure that the um, ashram is clean, that there's, you know, still um, an operation taking place at Pakti Lounge and that the programs are continuing. And all of that is to support the people that are out on the streets. And it's just um, such a wonderful thing, you know, that opportunity that's being given to those young people. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. We're, we're very fortunate. And whoever comes in contact with Bhakti Lounge or these outreach centers, you know, is very, very fortunate because you get this amazing opportunity, like you're saying, and you get to just be in this lab you know where you can just really experience and experiment on everything and actually see for yourself how it it's not like theoretical knowledge it's like fully ap application full application of it and you can see for yourself how you know like even we get we get people like coming to bhakti lounge to woof so men just come and stay at bhakti lounge for a couple of weeks We've got one right now at the moment he's really enjoying himself they really get the full experience of it because they are able to live in the center and do services and be part of the kirtan programs yoga everything and they just feel so blissful they're often saying to us like thank you so much for the experience Aww. you know it's like nothing like it it's like such, such a unique experience they have and obviously because it's shobhapa's mercy on them. yeah and it's this life that you're living and each day is sort of you're seeing that you're being maintained. Yes. I think that there's a real wonderful experience that we can have if we sort of do surrender some time and energy to spend in the ashram where you say, okay, like I'm going to take what I can, you know, I'm going to, first of all, uh, use whatever comes my way in whatever's favorable for Krishna service you know, to leave aside anything in my life, which is a distraction to full-time devotional service and live in such a simple way that 
the service is my main meal. Like yes. it's the only thing I'm doing. And when I think when somebody has an experience of that, that it's really softens the heart because yes. I think we live in that kind of a culture where um, there's so much fear of, well, if I don't do something for myself, like who's going to take care of me? And mm. you come into a culture of devotees that are like, yeah, we'll take care of you, but you're, you're going to do this and you're going to do that. And like, and you're going to advance spiritually and the rest will be taken care of. And then to feel like you just like kind of sink into a hammock of like devotional life. And it's, it's, it's incredible. Nice, yeah. Like the safety, the safety of feeling the spiritual energy wrap around you and carry you. Is- yeah. Complete shelter. Hey, like nobody has any shelter these days and here there's like such a haven, you know? It's an amazing shelter for young ladies and young men. Yeah. And uh, so for just going back to that original point about marathons and like how, you know, I know that you have been um, engaged through marathons. Could you just explain a little bit to um, our listeners? Yeah. Like what is it? First of all, like when we talk about a marathon, like what is that? Like what does it consist of? And you know, how long is it for? And how is it different from day-to-day life? Like even if you're a full-time book distributor and that's what you do, like what defines a marathon and like, what is the spirit of a marathon? What comes alive in marathons? And, you know, um, yeah. Could you just explain that a little bit? Yes, of course. So a marathon is, um, it's a pro, it's Prabhupada marathon. We do it from mid November to mid December. It's basically in the 1970s, devotees just kind of stumbled upon this marathon. And then since then it's been something we've all done all around this corner, all around the world. So yeah, it's like a four week marathon for us, like 31 days. Where we all go out, some like some travel out of town. So people that live in Wellington, some of us go to South Island, which is quite cold most of the year. So we take advantage of going to South Island in the summer because that's summer for us <laughs> here, um, November to December. Yeah, so it's a it's a 31 day kind of challenge, you can say, um, where we distribute books full time. So could be anything from like starting five hours goes up to like 10 hours you know of distribution on the street um and on the last day we go till midnight because that's the idea it's like christmas eve or just the day before so <laughs> exciting poppers are out and about they're still shopping we're to get, we like, New Zealand. where are all those last minute <laughs> gift buyers <laughs> <laughs> there's always heaps of them <laughs> Um, depends on where you are in New Zealand because there are lots of small towns that like close by six o'clock. So if you're in Auckland, have to happen to be in Auckland or Christchurch, you're lucky. Mm-hmm. You can go to midnight because there's plenty of malls. Yeah, so that's a marathon in a nutshell. And um, how we organize our marathons is that we start months in advance to um, because we do book tables that we've been doing that for the past four, three, four years. With, um, noticed such a huge difference. I think after since lockdowns and stuff, we've been doing um, book tables more and more because we've noticed a huge change in our distribution strategies and also the number of books that go out because tables look more legit. Like they look like yeah, they're meant to be there. You know, there's permission and it's not like we're just harassing people on the street. I'm not saying that you know freestyle distribution is harassment. <laughs> But here in New Zealand, people are a little bit... They're quite reserved. They're very reserved. 
So um, having tables definitely help. Mm -hmm. So what happens is that, yeah, for marathons, we've started booking tables in supermarkets and malls and stuff months in advance because they're quite popular, especially around Christmas. And yeah, we've found that that's massively increased our distribution, especially because it's following Vashishika uh, Prabhu's fourth law of book distribution. Must be, we must get organized. Mm -hmm. and yeah, like he, in that chapter in our family business, um, Prabhu mentions that. He's noticed that communities that organize, they double, triple their distribution compared to those that don't. Mm -hmm. And I've personally experienced that because I'm usually organized the marathons. And um, yeah, our, our distribution is always increasing every time, every year because of all the organizing. And you can always organize better and better. We do pre-marathon and post-marathon meetings to try and make sure Third that... Quick question for you, Madhavi Mohini. I'm going to put you on the spot. So what was your distribution last year at Prabhupada Marathon? Do you remember what the goal and if you hit the goal was? Uh, we don't... I don't remember the goal for Prabhupada Marathon, but we do media marathons here as well, like winter marathons. Mm -hmm. And just this one gone, we, were, we called it um, Sword in Hand. Um <laughs> We have themes for marathons. We come up with names for them. I love that one. Sword in hand. <laughs> yes. It's inspired um, from a shloka in Srimad Bhagavatam. I can't remember which shloka it is. I think it might be the second chapter. I can try and find it. But yeah, so it's um, a name that we all came up with. I think Krishna Loka might have picked it. <laughs> um, so for that marathon, we um, actually watched an inspirational video. Um, some of my organized some inspiring videos for us um, a few days before the marathon. I think it might have been a week before the week or two, two weeks before the marathon. We got really inspired by watching um, Mahotsaha Prabhu, how he distributes like stacks of books like ribbon. And we got so fired up. We were like, let's do it. We're only going to do stacks. And we made our goals and ribboned up all these stacks together. That was also a fun day to fun um, bonding thing to do. Yeah. And we um, increased our distribution almost to double. I have figures for that because I thought you might uh, might ask me. Yeah, I want to know, and everyone wants to know. <laughs> yes, it's from. Um, so um, this new method of um, distributing stacks, we increased our books from last media marathon. We've done three thousand four hundred ninety-six books, and this media marathon we distributed six thousand three hundred forty-four books. So that was a total increase of two thousand eight hundred forty-eight books, like nearly double. And that's in a matter of weeks, months, like... Two weeks. Okay, so everyone listening to this, this lady's ashram went out for two weeks and distributed almost 7,000 books. That's massive. That is massive. Everybody's how many hours do you think each team... Like, Okay, so how many ladies are we talking about on something like a, a marathon like that? Um, so there were two traveling teams. So that was four women. So each team has two ladies. Mm-hmm. And then we had a huge home team. I think there were six, six to eight devotees in the home team. But they were they're also running the center. Exactly. And, and cooking they, and doing everything. And then cooking and we were doing outreach and Krishna food. Everything was on. But yeah, they were devotees were so inspired. Um, with this so movie. the majority of those books were sold by four people? Uh, no, the home team did really, really well as well. So like half the books Because there were two devotees in the home team that were full-time distributors. Oh. So I guess you can say there were six um, full-time distributors and the rest of the devotees were like really fired up. They were on the weekends when the centers closed. 
we do um the home team does like weekend trips away and they smash their goals wow <laughs> one day one day the home team distributed 100 stacks 120 dollar stacks in one day and how many books are in each stack the $20 stack was 3 books and the $50 stack was 7 books wow oh my gosh that's a lot of books <laughs> Yay! It makes me like rub my hands together. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> now we're talking. Like, that's you guys are really pumping it out. You know what I mean? It's crazy. Um, what's your favorite memory from being on a marathon? Like, what were your realizations when you're on the road? Okay, well, I've been on so many marathons now, but my favorite one that pops up is the last, the last mid-day marathon when I was traveling in. Again in Fungray, Auckland, with um, Vera Gopi, and we went Fungray. We set up a table outside of Kmart, and that was like such a, so tricky how we actually got the table outside of Kmart. But it must have been meant to be, because um, I distributed two Shrimad Bhagavatam sets two days in a row, and those both those ladies just gave straight away five hundred dollars on their FPOS, and I just couldn't believe myself. Oh, that's so good! <laughs> oh my God, this has never happened to me before. And they were both just really amazing ladies. Like one of them had read Prabhupada's Bhagavad Gita, and like her life had completely changed. And she'd read it so many times that she was saying to me, "I really needed a new one of them because mine's like so tattered and broken." I was like, "I wish I could say that. I wish I could say I've read Bhagavad Gita that many times." Mm, true. Um, but yeah, it was very inspiring to meet her, and she happily took a bag with them and gave five hundred dollars. And then the, the day before, I'd met an amazing lady who had lots of children. And obviously, a rich husband. <laughs> <laughs> so she bought a set of Prabhupada's books and and the Bhagavatam set. So yeah, that was that's that a very memorable experience. What was your realization from these experiences that you have when you're just you know out there and dedicating your time? It's sort of you come with an open heart and open hands. It's sort of like anyone who wants it take it. So like yeah, what are your realizations from having you know spent time like that on the street? With that open heart and mind, and with books in your hands, yeah. Um, what I what comes to mind straight away is like you know, Krishna's just so kind to us. Like especially someone like me, and there's no way I have like even much desire. You know, it's just Krishna just shows that anything is possible if we just really put ourselves out there and mm. just do our best. Mm. You know, to try and please Guru and Guranga. Krishna can really use you and give you the best experiences. Like that's this this always comes to my mind that Lord Chaitanya is the best marketer. He knows exactly how to give you the taste and then make you work for it. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, um, recently had on um, Shashikrit Prabhu, and he kind of he almost said the exact same thing that you just said, but he gave an analogy for it. He was saying that. Um, One of our acharyas, I can't remember who it was, maybe Vishwanath Chakravarti Thakur, and he was saying that when you get this mercy and these experiences, you become almost haunted by the rasa. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely, I agree. And then you just keep chasing it. You're like, oh, I like want to serve him more and more and more because I can't live without this reciprocation. Like, yeah. it's haunted by it. <laughs> <laughs> That's such a good way to put it because. It's true, you know. And those sets went out. I was like, "That's just how did that even happen?" <laughs> It's just totally Krishna trying to give you a taste and you know, yeah, make you work for it. <laughs> There's something really magical when you open up a Bhagavatam and you start glorifying it in front of 
a person like this complete, it's almost like a bubble forms around you and everything zeroes in and it's just you, them, and that Bhagavatam. It doesn't matter where you are. It can be the most crazy place on the earth. And yeah, it's just this crazy energy that forms around you and you almost become like so conscious that this energy is all around you that you're sort of like very careful about everything you say and it's almost like time like just disappears yeah yeah absolutely yeah and even the things you say sometimes on Sankatan you're just like did I just say that where did that come from it's like you become possessed by like you know this deep like almost like Prabhupada's desire for the person to read the book and then you just become like like I'm a spokesperson and (laughs) I don't know yeah Krishna just pulls the strings so I have a question for you we are in the month of September now it's the first day of September and (laughs) from what I know I believe this might be a sacred time is it is this the month of Bhadra yet yes this is the month of Bhadra and it's ending on the 10th of September We've got 10 days, Madhava Mohini, so what's yeah. going on? What's oh, going not on? quite. Nine days now. Okay, nine, yeah. We are very anxious. We're just literally <laughs> biting our fingernails. How is this going to happen? So yeah. tell me um, and everyone, um, what is going on during this month? What makes it so special? And what are your goals for this month of Bhadra? Yes. So Bhadra Campaign is a worldwide effort by devotees to distribute Srimad Bhagavatam sets between Gora Purnima, which is March, to Bhadra, Bhadra Purnima, which ends on 10th of September. So these few months, March to September, devotees all around the world make a global effort. They come together as a global team to try and distribute Srimad Bhagavatam sets. And it's organized by our Sankirtan hero, of course, His Grace Vaisheshika Prabhu. And he's so inspiring how he's actually got this global team together. And it's like, seems to be expanding and expanding every year. Like we get, you see more and more countries joining, which is just wonderful. And how they're actually doing such amazing things, big things. And they're planning to achieve a target of 100,000 Shrimad Bhagavatam sets by 2026. And they're doing this like so strategically by increasing 23% each year. And by 2026, we'll see an increase of by like distributing 100,000 from above. I bet they're going to smash it. And not only smash it, I think they're going to exceed their expectations. Yes, they always do. So we're trying to follow in the footsteps, like the little tiny New Zealand that we are and little tiny Wellington. Um, Last year, I think we distributed 25 sets. So this year, our goal is to just increase by 23%. So we're trying to distribute 30 sets. And I think Bhakti Lounge is a community. And I think we've got nine more sets to go and nine more days to go. A set a day. A set a day. A set a day, a set a day has to go. Yes. Oh, my gosh. I oh, think you can do it. Yeah, I, think yeah. it's, I think it's possible. Thank One you. With your blessings. Yes. <laughs> need your blessings. Whatever blessings I have to give, which I have, I'm not sure. But I think, I think, actually, I know that when you ladies set your mind to do something that you can actually exceed your expectations. So if you don't, yeah, you it's can. Not just, yes. Yeah. It's not just the ladies. It's, it involves the whole community. Mm. It's the ashram ladies, ashram grahastas, and everyone's really trying their best. It's amazing to watch, like, everyone come together and, it, you know, like, we're in it together and we've got... Yeah. 
um, Geetha Govinda heading this project this year and um, uh-huh. she's doing an incredible job of like, we call it set loka, like uh-huh. it's, a, it's a term that we coined a couple of years ago about our efforts for set distribution. Uh-huh. So yeah, Geetha Govinda is doing an amazing job of it and she's actually successfully placed sets in yoga studios. She's got an appointment tomorrow as well in the morning. Great. And she, we've done several libraries around New Zealand because um, His Holiness Devamira Maharaj wanted to sponsor sets. So I think he sponsored 10 sets to be placed at university and public libraries. I think we've been able to place five sets so far in libraries. Well, I think I could maybe find a library that you can place a set because I go to one regularly here and I know the ladies there. So maybe we can make that happen. Anyway. Yeah, that'd be amazing. Yeah, so we've been distributing sets by doing, yeah, we've been trying to lots of different um, strategies like book tables. We're doing, what are you, you going to say? The most important question is how um, can someone hearing this podcast contact you for a set if they're in New Zealand or Australia or the Pacific Islands? Yes, so people can contact us on this number. I can give the number. Please. Yes, O two O four O five six three nine six five. Okay, and if, stay nice uh, and slow. One more time. Okay, O two O four O five six three nine six five. And that's plus six four, if you're from you know some other country, right? Yes. Yes. So, and you can also order online uh, by our website. Um, just if you visit enoughmagazine.org. Um, you can purchase a set online and we can post it to you. Awesome. Um, well, I think, you know, maybe from this podcast, we're going to try to release it really soon. So hopefully we can get a few more sets through this podcast. If you're listening and um, you haven't heard of the Shimad Bhagavatam, I have Madhav Mohini here on the call and she can perfectly encapsulate what it is that you're going to experience from reading the Bhagavatam. Came out of me, go. <laughs> what are you going to experience from reading Shiva Bhagavatam? Hmm. That's like definitely putting me on the spot. <laughs> um, so nothing like you've experienced ever before in your life, for sure. Because, um, yeah, when you even open these books, they're just like they talk to you, you know. You can put open Shopapa's books at any page and literally it just seems like Prabhupada's talking to you. And Srimad Bhagavatam is so incredible in that way that it can really penetrate your heart. So if you really sincerely want to seek spiritual knowledge, if you're a sincere seeker of spiritual knowledge, I would definitely recommend getting Srimad Bhagavatam and reading it and making it part of your life. And we tell people on the street, actually, be a sage page by page. <laughs> if you read a few pages, you know, if you read for half an hour, you'll be done reading these books. As it, like, it can be very daunting. It's like 18 books. It's a big um, set of books. And most people do say that to us on the street. Then how can I read this many books? They're intimidating. And that's what we say to them, like, be a sage page by page. That's how we all started. <laughs> this is by Shishigurubu's famous, famous line. Yeah. 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 So, um, if you're listening and you haven't heard of the Shema Bhagavatam, you're, it, it's an 18 volume set of what we like to call a spiritual encyclopedia. 
And as you read this book, as Madame Mohini said, it can penetrate the heart, it can transform the mind. And through that transformational experience, it actually not only uncovers who you are, but it uncovers the source of existence and your relationship with the source of existence so that you can truly experience the deepest sense of what it means to be alive and the deepest sense of what it means to be in love and really um, sort of like uh, just the way we take a plug, put it into the wall and that's what turns on the lights. It's what invigorates us um, to be alive. So yeah, the Shema Bhagavatam is, um, it's like a powerhouse. You just plug in and start reading and it lights you up. <laughs> Yes, that's amazing. <laughs> I love the way you put it. So um, I just want to really yeah, offer you my most humble obeisances. Thank you so much um, for spending this time with us, Madhava Mahini. And um, yeah, all glories onto your wonderful book distribution services that you've been doing in Wellington and uh, all around, <laughs> all around New Zealand. <laughs> Um, and please, yeah, uh, pass our obeisances on to everyone in Nandini Ashram. Huge shout out um, to all the devotees there in the Bhakti Lunch community. Uh, it's full of glorious devotees who are just on fire with um, Bhakti. So thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna. Thank you again for listening to Sankirtan On. Please feel free to subscribe and share with your friends for regular updates and inspirational stories on how, by giving, we grow. Thank you for sharing this time with us. All glories to Srila Prabhupada.